3: Hello, happy Tuesday, everyone! If you're listening to this, then you know the big news of the day, the big news of the week, one of the biggest sports stories of the year. Francis Ngannou has found a home. He has officially signed with the Professional Fighters League, the PFL. Uh, the former UFC heavyweight champion and the number one heavyweight in the MMA fighting global rankings uh, made his announcement via the New York Times, uh, ending four months. Some might say, I would say, sixteen months. Uh, from his last fight at UFC 270. Uh, months of speculation as to where he would go. Uh, we knew that Fran had fought out his contract 16 months ago, and, and it was early, early, only earlier this year that he officially got his release. So, massive news. This is not just a deal. It is being announced as a strategic partnership. He will be heading PFL's Africa... Uh, He's the chairman, excuse me, of PFL Africa. He'll be part of the promotion Super Fight Division. There's still talk of him boxing in 2023. And uh, as is described in the release, this is supposed to be the most lucrative deal in MMA history. So we'll kind of dive into that today. Uh, We being myself, this is the voice of Alexander K. Lee. And of course, my good friend and associate, uh, the Jed Mishu. Jed, how are you doing today? Let's let's just get your initial thoughts on this deal as we we are literally a couple of hours away from this uh, from this uh, getting put out into the into the MMA world. So, how are you feeling about it? What's what's uh, what was the first thing that crossed your mind when you saw that Francis Ganu now part of the PFL?
4: I think my first thought was just finally this is this has been the worst kept secret maybe in MMA history for the last like <laughs> month or so, like Everyone knew by process of elimination, if nothing else, <laughs> like where this was going. And, it, you know, negotiations obviously take some time and yeah. we eventually got here. It, was, it uh, was the
3: PFL or Fight Circus. We were like, oh boy, was yeah, like 50-50,
4: 50-50. Well, one, one or the other. John, uh, Nutt, John
3: Nutt was not returning our DMs about it. We're like, mm, that's suspicious. I know. I that's kept, I kept
4: <laughs> hounding it. I was like, hey, John, what's going on, man? Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we all knew this was coming. Uh, but I don't think we, I I don't, I don't know how to say think none of us really knew exactly what was coming though. And that, so that's my first actual reaction, right? Obviously the, you know, peek behind the curtain, everyone knew that an announcement was coming this week. We, we had talked about it sort of offline that the announcement is supposed to be imminent, right? It's going to happen this week. And so we make our preparations, our plans on how we're going to react to it, uh, But then once I, you know, read the announcement this morning, I was like, that is more than I thought Um, because I, everything you said, right. I I expected him to have an equity partnership similar to what they did with um, uh, Jake Paul, because that kind of makes sense for the business dev plan that that PFL seems to be pursuing. Uh, We can get into that. I think that's actually a really good idea broadly. So I expected that part of it, but all of the rest of this and. Look, take some of it with a grain of salt, certainly, right? Um, most of the info coming out of this is from press release. So I would say if you've read the press release, um, not everything in there is 100% accurate. <laughs> so maybe some of this is, is rose-colored glasses. But the idea of him being the chairman of PFL Africa, the idea of a PFL Africa being a thing in general um, is a huge step forward. Not just for the PFL, but for the sport. There's not a UFC Africa that's rocking right now, you know. Um, There's, you know, there there their European divisions in Bellator and stuff. But that's a that's a major move. And so for him to be the chairman of that, uh, for some of the other stuff that that's coming around in here as uh, a member of the global advisory board to functionally, uh, at least as it is being told, be a representative for the athletes. uh, That's Pretty groundbreaking stuff going on here, Um, and so I'll wrap my little section right here on it by just saying, suck it, people who are being, like, tools about this, because for the last, like, few weeks, well, one, not to throw names out, a couple of promotions were um, aggressively not in Francis's corner on this one. And, you know, I I understand you're a promoter. You got to try and defend your own brand, but it, it felt a touch personal. It felt a touch like, Hey, here's what we offered unsubstantiated. And he'd, so just too rich for, our. but can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. And from those little tidbits of information, we, we talked about it on this pod network. A lot of people extrapolated that Francis and Ghana, quote unquote, fumbled the bag, like, Oh, what a, what an idiot. Like you should have just taken $8 million from the UFC. All of you probably need to shut the hell up right about now because we don't know the financials on it. I'm sure the financials are also pretty solid here for him. Um, They, they certainly suggest that this is the most lucrative deal ever. I, I can't verify that, but I'm sure he's doing okay on the money. And more important to Francis based on everything he's told us before He's getting the other things that really matter to him. He's getting a stake in the company. He's getting the advisory role board an opportunity to improve this sport, not just for himself, but for everybody around him. And so this is unequivocally a win for Francis Ngannou. And frankly, I think a win for the sport as a whole. I think that this is, maybe this ultimately turns into nothing, but I think this is a, a big day and could be a kind of, a, a day we look back on and say something fundamentally changed in MMA today.
3: I love the optimism. Yeah, I I, I want to believe that as well. I, I it it does feel like a big deal in this moment. You're right. There's no, really no way for us to say until six months, a year from now, two years from now, maybe even, and I would say even further down the road, how much this whole free agency drama meant, how much this his final decision meant. I'm glad you brought up some of the other promoters. I, I will speak somewhat, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, I will speak somewhat in their defense, uh, or at least say, explain some of their comments, because I'm sure the one that popped out the most, you know, uh, Chachri Sichujang from one championship was one of the most vocal, saying that them and uh, they and Francis just did not align on certain things. Uh, those being, and, and he had thrown this out there, he said that Francis wanted to be like a member of the board or something and to dictate what his opponents got paid which I think the phrasing is somewhat justified by what the news we found out today. But also, I think we can also say, say that uh, uh, Chattree maybe sounded made it sound a little bit more megalomaniacal than it is. For as, sure. Yeah, because as you see, he, he is part of a board. He's not part of the main uh, PFL board, as, as, as we learned from this release, it is the PFL Global Advisory Board. I'll quickly read some PR copy here. The PFL Global Advisory Board has been established for the league to closely collaborate with the greatest athletes and minds in the sport of MMA to ensure the PFL stays focused on its fighter's first mission, combined with recruiting and developing future global champions as part of the strategic partnership with the PFL. Ngannou will serve in a leadership role on the PFL Global Advisory Board, making him the first active fighter to serve in the board and represent fighters' interests. So he's on a board. He got that part of it. Uh, the other part was wanting to dictate his opponent's pay. Now, I don't know if that's part of this, but we do know he is part of the super fight division, which is meant to provide a huge boost to the fighters participating uh, in that division. As opposed to getting, the,
4: 50%. I'm not wrong. I would say I'm not wrong mm. in that theoretically they're getting 50 percent of revenue share for that, for that is
3: the claim of the again, the division okay. has not started yet yeah we don't know but that is what they have said hyped up when they signed jake paul that's what they said was the next phase for kayla harrison and the revenue uh pivory revenue uh part of it was a huge uh obviously a huge draw for it and then the last bit about a uh, boxing you know we said uh he, he also wants to be able to box and i imagine that's something that some of these other promotions uh bristles at as well and according to this release according to the news he, they say in 2023 it sounds like he has that boxing option available again. We have no idea who the opponent might be. Again, if there's, is this being targeted? Is it in the works? Has he? Does he have a, Is he in talks with some promoter to actually make this happen before the end of the year? We don't know. We do know he has the option. Uh, so that is a fact. And he might. Looks like they're targeting a PFL debut in 2024. So uh, Jed, with a few more of the facts laid out, I'll I'll ask straight up. Let's grade the deal. Let's treat this like you know, like a major sports trade. Uh, um, a sports like you know, team sports trade, team sports transaction. Uh, let's grade the deal first for Francis Ngannou.
4: A plus. Oh. I, I this is. He got. I can't say he got everything he wanted, but he got most of what he wanted. As far as I, I I'm not in his mind or his brain. Uh, I can't see any way you can look at this and not call it. Um, a home run for him right like the the only people who are going to come here and be like this doesn't matter this is stupid are just the lowliest of haters at this point right because of the stuff we've already talked about he is he is already probably financially like set in the general terms of what that means right to the globe at large but this deal, I am certain from a monetary standpoint, again, we don't actually have the figures, but I'm dead certain that he is doing a-okay money-wise, maybe not as much money as he could have made in the UFC or in one or about like, maybe I'm, I'm willing to say that maybe this isn't the biggest price tag, but he got all the other things that he wanted or at least most of the other things that he wanted. And most importantly, he got a substantive job moving forward, right? Like, if Francis Ngannou, I it will never happen. But let's say Francis Ngannou comes out here later this year. He does get to fight somebody. Joshua Taylor or, or whoever it ends up being, Tyson Fury whatever. He gets his boxing match. He's even financially set for life. Cool. Great for him. That's a huge win. Gets knocked out and suddenly his chin is gone because he's a little bit older and he just got knocked out in boxing. And Ante Delaja just puts him into the shadow realm in his first PFL fight. That will be a level of hilarious. I'll admit that relatively catastrophic for the PFL in some regards, but ultimately it won't matter because all of the other stuff is still here. He, him getting knocked out won't mean he's not the CEO or chairman of <laughs> PFL Africa. He it, They won't be like, we're going to take away your role in developing our 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 promotion globally he has won this is an a plus for him more than i would have even anticipated as i said that he would get and i think that that's just as good as could be expected
3: i'm gonna settle in at an A, Jed, because only because i think a plus for me would have been knowing right away like today if they'd announced oh and he's he's fighting tyson fury or he's fighting like i said uh or something like or Deontay Wilder, like if it's had something, then I'd go A plus. So I'll, I'll I'll reserve as an A. Like you said, it's it's not really fair to to kind of you. I mean, we can go back and grade the deal. It's not really fair to say now, like, well, it's only a B plus because if this bad thing happens and this bad thing happens, on paper, from what we know, it's at least an A. I agree, A plus is totally a possibility. Um, the 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 money thing is funny because what we do seem to know is that. The UFC was offering something around the range of eight million dollars for one fight. I think some people misconstrued that as I know I know for a fact I should say some people misconstrued that as oh I can't believe uh, Francis isn't coming back to the UFC. They were offering him eight million dollars a fight. I, that was I believe was only going to be for a John Jones fight or some sort of title fight. Um, if it wasn't John Jones. And then, my understanding was yeah. that
4: it was eight million per fight, but really? th- that number existed as long as he was champion.
3: I was gonna say that's the uh, that's was, and
4: yes. so he gets his eight million and his pay per view bonuses, yeah. but if he loses, then he reverts to something substantially smaller. Yeah. that's well, my understanding. Sure. Could be wrong. It could have just been a single fight, but I I, I like you. I am fairly certain mm-hmm. that it wasn't. Regardless of of whatever happens, yeah. it's eight million a fight at best. Rate.
3: At best he had to, I believe he had to be champion. I would be very I would be shocked. Again, we don't know for sure. Based on
4: everything sh- we know about the <laughs> UFC. <laughs> yeah.
3: Based on reality, I would be very shocked if they were saying here's it, your your four fight deal, eight million dollars guarantee, champ or no champ. Seems highly, highly, highly unlikely. It would be unprecedented. And if that's what the UFC offered, then good on them. And if Francis walked away from that. Then you know what? I will say UFC did their best. But from what we know, it's definitely eight million for that one fight. Possibly if he was still champion after. Um, so yes, he's probably making more now over the long run. Definitely, I would say more than for that. You know, if it was just one fight at eight million, given the, like you said, equity, his other roles that he gets to box, that's the big X factor. How much can he get from a boxing match? It's it's really hard to say he didn't get everything he wanted and all these things that people said he couldn't get, because he he never said it was never for him saying, well, I definitely need to make more than eight, nine, ten million for my next MMA fight. He's it was never about that. He's made a good amount of money. He knew whoever he signed was going to be able to make it, pay him well, again, even if not the single fight uh, uh, offer that UFC could make. But he said, I want some, you know, he wants some sort of, uh, you know, chairman-like role. He wants to be able to box. Uh, and, and he wants to, you know, have some say over, you know, making fighter pay better. And it sounds like he landed all these things. So let's grade it now, Jed, for the PFL. How did, how did the league do?
4: I'm going with an A plus again. This one, I I can recognize people um, having a slightly different perspective because there is the fear. This deal looks a lot worse if Francis Ngannou loses in the next, you know, eighteen months, right? Like that. It's undeniably, this deal is a is a harder one for them to to you know put on the wall as as a great thing if that happens. But I don't think that that's necessarily true. Right, like I think that that probably is true, but I don't think that that um, if Francis Ngannou loses, that this kills the deal because of everything else that's going on with this. Right, one, at the bare minimum, the PFL just got the best heavyweight in the world. Maybe he's not. Maybe John Jones is technically the best heavyweight in the world. If they fought, I can't say who would win. We'll never know at this point in time. But they got the lineal heavyweight champion of this sport. And so at the bare minimum, that's an A. Like you can't – there's no way to, to look at a promotion and say you have the lineal heavyweight champion and be like, see, <laughs> this is the biggest free agent signing in mixed martial arts history has happened. And so at the that we're starting with an A and the rest of it is why I think this is an A+. One, you know, we're in the media. We harp on this stuff all the time. Uh, it's really – uh, pleasantly surprising to see the quote-unquote concessions that the PFL made to Francis, allowing him these things that he was pursuing, because I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I will speak for a lot of other people in the space. These are things that we broadly would like fighters to have, to have more of a stake in companies, more of an investment in the future and growth of the sport, more opportunities to succeed and, and you know, develop monetarily as well. So the fact that they did that um, it, I like, I got to give them props for that. And two other things that really stuck out. The first is that they didn't have to do that. They weren't functionally. They were negotiating against no one at the end of this point in time, which was part of it that had a lot of people come. That was why a lot of people came out and were like, fumbled the bag. You, you look at him. He's, he is miscalculated. He screwed up because all of the other major promoters in the world had largely, and publicly withdrawn themselves from this negotiation. You know, one had done it. BKFC said we can't afford him. The UFC, we all know how that went. Bellator, surprisingly not involved in this. Maybe not surprisingly if you, um, you know, are reading the news about what may or may not be transpiring with them, largely speaking. So they were negotiating against nobody, which means they probably didn't have to, agree to all of this. They probably could have said, Hey, we'll super fight division. We'll give you this, um, you know, and we're going to do some other stuff that you can be involved in. We'll let you box. And he probably would have functionally had to take it because there just weren't other options out there for him, but they are coming to this based on everything I can view from this with as a genuine open partnership, that this is not something they are being forced to by the constraints of capitalism, but this is something they want to actively pursue. So I think that that's great. And the last thing I'll say on this, the the thing that really pushes it into, no no doubt about it, A-plus for me, is the thing that maybe a lot of people aren't going to recognize from the press release, from this news dump, but I think is actually critically important for this whole thing. And it's less about this specific deal and more about the future of the PFL. Uh, and it's, let me find the, the thing. So here's um, from the press release, PFL has an expansive plan to become the first true global league in sports with international regional leagues spanning all continents. PFL founder and chairman Don Davis. PFL Europe's launch in 2023 has been a huge success. We will have six more PFL international leagues operating by 2026. And some other stuff that's nonsense after that. But um, the PFL, this you know, they invested in PFL Europe, which maybe is... uh, It's too early to call it a success, but I like the direction. I think that that's a smart way to grow the brand and start to invest in other talent. This PFL Africa portion is, I think, going to be very great. They're staking a claim to a continent of human beings who can fist fight that no other promoter is really like leveraging in any way, and they're doing it with the biggest name in the sport on that continent heading it up. So like I said, if Francis gets knocked out tomorrow, still in his job as a functionally talent acquisition for Africa, he's going to be doing good things for the PFL. And the rest of that, the six more international leagues, has really nothing to do with this deal in general, but... That is an ambitious and I think a really good dev strategy for them, right? Like they are going to be out there accruing services. And when you have this Francis Ngannou deal to, to show fighters, right? Hey, we, you know, other people say that they're for the fighters, that they're, we are doing it. Look at Francis Ngannou. Maybe they're not going to give the same deal to everybody or whatever. You know, Cedric Dumbay does not have the same Francis deal, obviously, but other free agents that come along other people that they decide would be a good business partner in these ways i think this is just a this is a flag to plant in the ground saying here's how we do business and that's only going to continue to attract more talent to them because of the way they do business
0: the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba
3: Yeah, I'm leaning towards A-plus as well, Jed, for the PFL because, again, this is just a home run move. And even if it – again, worst-case scenario, this is still establishing – I would say further establishing themselves as this this legitimate alternative uh, to the UFC. And when I say alternative, I mean that in the truest sense of the word because from the moment they rebranded or or re-strategized, whatever you want to call it, from World Series of Fighting to the PFL Professional Fighters League – they did so with this intent, like to trying to say, or, e- even the way which people should know, like we 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 were told, uh, we were, I don't know, how to say told, but you know, uh, they've requested the media many times, like refer to them as a league. They yes, they're an organization, organization, excuse me, promotion, but they like to be called a league. You know, there's a, there's a big effort to uh, control the optics of the PFL and part, and so much of it is about again, oh, we do we do tournaments, million dollar tournaments, no other promotion does that. You know, we are now doing this sort of. Um, hardcore global expansion, uh, you know, and the way we're doing it, no one has done it before. And then uh, we have a smart cage. We have the smartest cage in the business. So w- we should have known that Francis Ngannou, you know, that this was that this was going to go his way because, um, or sorry, he was going to go the PFL's way because when, once we heard about all the demands that, that he was making with the UFC and why he didn't resign with them, we're like, well, he needs to go somewhere that's, he needs to go to an organization that's a little more open minded about, um, you know, doing different things and, and uh, uh, you know, pursuing different avenues in MMA. And it, it's a great fit. It's a great fit. I don't know how it is on like a buzz level with the fans. Like you said. There's gonna be haters out there who are just like, oh, what happened to the Tyson Fury? Where's the Tyson Fury fight? Where's the big where's the big, you know, fifty million dollar boxing bout? He just went to another, you know, uh the number two he went from the number one on. MMA promotion to the number two MMA promotion.
4: You you know how it's gonna be with fans. You I, know. Cause, cause this I'm... isn't even the number two MMA promotion. I love <laughs> the PFL. And they state it. They in this press release they say something very dumb, like it's the number two MMA promotion according to all metrics. Sure. Which is just an outright lie. <laughs> like let me all let... metrics. You can't say all metrics. That's nonsense. Let me read
3: uh, a little more from this is from the New York Times. Uh let's just say all in my deal my deal with PFL is more than anyone else has offered. Uh Nanganu said the past few months have been a very interesting time to understand and see the landscape. But I'm very excited about this deal with the PFL. Because they basically showed what I was expecting. Uh, they didn't just show up as a promotion that was looking for a fighter, but really came as a partner that sees more value in you as a person. Uh, PFL CEO Peter Murray told the New York Times, this is not an athlete deal. Francis is an icon today in the sport. He's the best in the world at what he does. But he's in business with the PFL. We're in business together. Jed, my next question for you, we need a, I need you to do a, get, get into character. Okay. Your, your UFC president, Dana White. Uh, let's you. see. It would be about 4.30 a.m. in uh, Vegas time, assuming that's where Dana is right now. Let's say... Let's, go, let's jump ahead an hour or two. You wake up. You see this news. What is Dana White and the UFC's reaction?
4: Uh, I assume that they're... It's pretty mid from them, right? They're not thrilled because once he does sign, that officially takes any opportunity for them to work together uh, off the table. But... You knew this was coming, like we talked about. You knew this was coming with the PFL. Um, maybe I—I I don't know. My, I'm un—I'm unclear how he views the PFL as a as an organization because, in some ways, I—if I am the UFC, the PFL is the is the promotion I am the least bothered by. Bellator—I'm not really bothered by anybody. I'm the UFC, but Bellator does have a claim to having the best fighters in the world in like five weight classes at this point in time, they may or may not be, but they, they have the most MMA talent on roster. That's not in the UFC in the world. One has functionally a completely different product to offer than the UFC. um, And also has a deal with Amazon, which is enormous and is, is a good, you know, combat sports promotion, but isn't running the exact same race as the UFC in general and also is focused a little bit more i mean they've obviously expanded into the US this year but they are focused a little bit more on the other side of the globe than the UFC's interest generally align with PFL is the one where they are doing something different in the league based MMA but they're like the little cousin because they're also on ESPN most of their fighters aren't as good some of some fighters have been going to the PFL because of the million dollar draw but In a lot of respects, if I'm the UFC, the PFL would be the the promotion I'm the least quote-unquote concerned about. This would maybe up that a little bit. Be like, okay, well, for the reasons we've just talked about, right? Okay, what you're doing with this fighter, with Francis, a guy who has publicly spoken out against us, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if that's going to have ripple effects for us. Probably not because we have such a firm grip on the industry, but... Like I said, this could be a a momentum, a, a moment where things shift, not not majorly, and it certainly won't be an avalanche of suddenly fighters get to be involved in the process of organizations immediately. But I do think we're talking about something that in 20 years you could look back as that was kind of the first big piece, right? That was the first stone to start rolling down the hill here. And so I would say that if i Dana White, I'm probably slightly concerned, not overall concerned. You know, I'm not going to not eat breakfast this morning, but I may take a moment to pause and reflect on like, okay, do I need to call up my friends at ESPN and kill PFL's TV deal with them um, because this is a shot across the bow. I don't think he'll make that decision, but I think he may at least reflect on that as, as something here.
3: Yeah, it is funny to imagine that during an, an ESPN broadcast, maybe not in the same, you know, uh, a, a game or whatever, a news story or a news hit, but uh, probably in the same day, you could see an ad for the upcoming UFC on ESPN plus UFC Vegas seventy five hundred, and then also, oh, and uh, Francis Ngannou, you know, uh, is gonna is gonna appear at PFL seven a special appear, special appearance by Francis Ngannou. You could see that on the same network now, and you're right if you're. Dana White, you're—it's definitely a bit of a chin, a chin scratcher, right? You're like, that looks funny. I don't know how I feel about this.
4: <laughs> yeah, and it's—I—I I will say honestly, I think that the thing that is going to have the most tangible effect on the UFC from this is the the answer stuff, the the PFL Africa. I think that my i suspect that if there is anything that really happens from the UFC outside of. I mean, Dana will make the comment when someone asks him the next time he talks in front of a microphone. Oh, you see Francis sign? Yeah, good. You know, good for him. Got got the deal. Uh, You know, might be a little angry. Might be like like they gave up the whole cow and they just needed the milk. Like blah blah blah. But I think the only thing that will happen is UFC Africa is probably getting um, a, a bigger push to to happen sooner because of this. But other than that, my guess is that. So this won't be a huge a huge thought on their mind.
3: Uh one more thing about Dana, he said in classic Dana speak after letting Francis go, he'll never fight for the UFC again. Does anything about this do you think preclude him uh Francis Ngannou from returning whenever this uh this run with the PFL is over and and assuming it unless it is this long-term sort of lifelong partnership
4: I never thought he was fighting the UC again. I don't mm. think that was a Dana White decision. I think that was a Francis Gottner decision. I mm. um, thought that's one of the few statements that Dana's ever said that I like wholeheartedly agreed with, even if I agreed with it for entirely different reasons. I don't think... like Dana will do business with anyone who's going to do business uh, in the way that he wants to do business. He and Tito actively hated each other for years and still found a way to do business together because for whatever his faults... He is good at business in the way he wants to be good at business. And if you're willing to come to meet him in the table in the same way, he'll do it. Doesn't matter if he hates you or not. Uh, Francis Ngannou is not cut from that cloth. This was entirely a Francis Ngannou choice of, I mean, we heard it from for oh, for two years <laughs> almost of like, Yeah, these people are not good humans. Like they, they don't respect me. They actively tried to undermine my career. They, you know, think that a dollar sign is all that I am, as opposed to a person. And he was never coming back. I think this. I wouldn't say that this is the reason, but I would say that if anyone was holding out some kind of hope, which I was not, uh, you should let that go.
3: I, I was optimistic he would fight again. I still think there's a chance somewhere down the road happens, but like way down the road, obviously, given today's news. And also given the proposed timeline, this means there's 0.00 whatever, however many zeros you want to go, 1% chance we ever see him fight John Jones, which is super sad. So I do want to ask you quick, Jed, where where does this, you know, qu- quick estimate, where does this rank on your, your lost fights, fights that we thought seemed very much in play for like two or three years? And we again barring unforeseen circumstances, it's it's not going to happen.
4: Two. It's number two. Um, it's behind Tony Habib. Um, and honestly, it's not it it's a more interesting fight than Tony Habib ever was for me. I I knew how Tony Habib would go. I had zero doubts on how that fight would turn out. Um, and I think as time move has moved on, more people have come around to the idea that Tony really really didn't stand a, a great chance in that fight, but it didn't matter. doesn't matter what the fight would have looked like, what that fight represented, what that fight was, was so important, would have been so groundbreaking in such a moment in the sport. It, you're. It's going to be really hard for any fight to ever pass that. So number two, I mean, there are plenty of other fights that would have been cool to happen, but largely they're not fights that I'm like, like critically sad about. Um, Maybe it's number three. Actually, I might say it's number three because I always wanted GSP Anderson. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though that never really got negotiated, it was just sort of a fan thing. That was a fight that I did desperately want and I wasn't sure how it would go and was, would have been a moment Uh, unlike any other and this is of that category right like had that fight happened it would have been the biggest fight of the year uh absolutely monumental for what it represented what it was don't really know how the fight would have gone I could see either outcome frankly but for whatever reason it didn't captivate me in quite the same way that it, it captivated a lot of people just from a yearning standpoint so I still think this is you know top three but I think, as I'm looking at it right now, it'd be number three for me.
3: Yeah, and and I think the other thing you mentioned, your number one still, uh, Habib and Tony Ferguson, was that that fight was like actually booked,
4: booked at least four a, times. A,
3: yeah, yeah, it and, booked and, it,
4: four times.
3: It was booked four times. I I I know a couple times it was probably like you know in talks and targeted, but we know there was pen to paper at least twice, at least a couple of times. I mean, no, like, there
4: was pen to paper four yeah, times.
3: Yeah, there was uh, pen to paper four times. That's what makes that one hurt so much is that yeah. it was it was supposed cuz i say i was talking about john jones and Nagano. like it it was in the realm of possibility cuz both guys were talking about it it never got to the contracts being sent out yeah. phase It never got into like it's just yeah it was
4: tw- it was twitter talk they yeah, twitter social media it.
3: social media agreement that is yeah. that is as far as it went yeah.
4: and the the habib tony thing kept building cuz the first time they were booked it wouldn't have been like it would have been a good fight mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been what it was but yeah. it kept It kept getting pushed down the road and they kept winning in spite of not fighting each other. And it just became this thing where it was cursed and it was cursed. There's I, I named a category on damn. They were good after it because it's a (laughs) cursed fight. This does not rise to that level, but a lot of people are going to be really sad that it never happened. And I'm certainly wish it would have. And I think this joins that kind of pantheon, the biggest fights that never happened, you know? Yeah. Fedor Randy, which I never gave a shit about, but a lot of people like were super invested in. Like, there are just some of those fights, and this is doomed to be one of them.
3: Yeah, listen, and Ganu Jones is like my number one right now, but only because of recency bias all the way. Uh, it's just, it's just if I could book any, any fight tomorrow with current active fighters, I mean, it'd be in John Jones by a mile, but you know, yeah, give me some time to look back on these. You're right. The uh, Habib and, uh, Tony Ferguson, of course, GSP and Anderson will always be up there, uh, among others. I'm sure I'm sure people will have their own suggestions when they whenever they get around to listening to this this podcast. Speaking send of those Jones, your suggestions send in case we forgot something at Jed K. Mishu hit him up, blow up his DMS, do it. Uh, speaking of Jones, so just a couple more topics I want to touch upon here. Jed, he is the UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, Francis is still our number one heavyweight and then May fighting global rankings. Now, that won't really last for long for people who keep up with the rankings and are wondering how some of the processes work. We do have an 18-month must-compete-or-you-are-removed-from-the-rankings clause. Francis, last fought in MMA, UFC 270, January 2022. So we are now 16, like I said, 16 months away. He's two or three months away. I don't know if we remove him on the 18th month or in the 19th month, but he's two or three months away from being removed from the rank entirely. So based on that, he won't be our number one. Uh, I don't know how other people keep their own internal rankings if they just keep someone up top as long as they know that they're going to compete within a reasonable time. But for us, the controversy will be over in a few months. Francis will be out. Uh, Again, if he competes in boxing, obviously that doesn't count as MMA, so he'll still be out. But let's say, Jed, that Francis comes back, keeps winning, gets that huge Ante Delicia fight we keep talking about, uh, knocks off whoever, I'm just trying to look, uh, I don't know, let's say he's fighting Bruno Kapolots, a blown-up Cesar Butant, uh, Jorgen DeCastro, whatever. Hit the competition that's currently in the PFL. Uh, again, these are all guys who are currently in the tournament, so he won't necessarily be matched up with them. Um, again, he is in a super fight division. Can he can he become the number can he remain the number one heavyweight Jed with this roster, or, or just by the fact that we feel and I'm I'm gonna speak for you on this one because I think you agree. We feel that the superior heavyweights are probably in the UFC, guys like Jelton Almeida. Sergey Pavlovich.
4: We do feel that okay, way. Okay, good.
3: Tommy Aspinall, when he comes back, who, whoever else the UFC manages to find, uh, plus guys in Bellator. I mean, this is a good competition in Bellator. is it, it, Francis. When he comes back to the rankings, when he fights again, I have a feeling, will, what will it take for him to go back to number one? Can he?
4: I may leave him at number one um, just in protest uh, of of any other thing here. I know that that's against our rules. I may just leave him there. <laughs> no. I do think – look, I think sometimes you got to carve out an exception, and this feels like a pretty good time to carve out an exception for we'll – talk,
3: We'll talk about this on the wrecking show, Jen.
4: <laughs> yes. Um, but that being aside, um, I suspect for me, he will be number one when he returns to fight. If I do remove mm. him, I don't care who he beats. He's going to hold that spot. I am dead certain uh, that if this unfolded in that particular way – a number of people on our panel would use this as an opportunity slash excuse to just elevate john jones we already have a couple of people who have already done it because john jones beat the hell out of cyril uh gone and sure um i think we argued about it on the ranking show that i think that that's a very dumb thing but you know a lot of people think the way i do rankings is dumb so whatever uh you gotta let people have their eccentricities so I'm certain that this will serve as a good excuse for a couple of other people who were contemplating it. Um, But here's the part that's interesting on it, AK. Theoretically, John Jones will also be out of our rankings very soon, right? Like John's going to fight Steve at some point that will happen this year. And he is publicly intimating that that may be his last fight, at least for some time. So if Jones beats Stipe and then retires and Ngannou's no longer eligible, um I think Sergey Pavlovich becomes our number one heavyweight I in the world gonna by say, default. I was
3: going to say. We are we are possibly by the end of this year
4: having Sergey Pavlovich officially be the number one ranked heavyweight in the yes, MMA fighting. E- even though
3: rankings. even though John Jones and Francis Ngannou are alive and ve- and you know likely able to compete. Yes. They you will know. technically be ineligible and Sergei will be the, undis- among us, the undisputed number one heavyweight. Anyway, no, more. no, Jel- I, would dis-
4: I would dispute that.
3: and Almeida. Maybe I'll Curtis say. Blades finally gets his moment? Oh, well, I guess not. After the no, Sergei
4: I'll show. just have Almeida ranked above Pavlovich at that point <laughs> in time. So it won't be undisputed, but that's it will so, be consensus. That's so messed up. Um, but so I think that that's the other side of this, where if John does beat Stepe and retires he'll be the number one heavyweight probably according to our rankings and by probably I mean almost certainly uh but then if he retires when Francis comes back it doesn't really matter who Francis beats even if it is Mateus Scheffel. I think most if if the if our rankings panel is looking at it between is it Francis who is Francis and just beat Mateus Scheffel versus Sergei Pavlovich or Jailton Almeida who maybe are fighting each other I I think that Francis will just retake his spot. So I do Mm. think the next time he competes, he will end up as the number one heavyweight in the world again, even though that is apparently coming to an end relatively soon for us.
3: The only comparison we have is Demetrius Johnson, who left the UFC as the number. Oh, well, he wasn't. I should say he wasn't the number one flyweight, excuse me, because he lost to Henry Cejudo. I guess theoretically, based on his body of work, you could still say he was the best. And he had beaten Cejudo before. They were kind of one and one. But uh, it doesn't matter because then.
4: Cejudo plus, retired. I thought he beat Cejudo the second time.
3: Sure. Uh, plus Cejudo then kind of, well, he, he held the flyweight belt. Either way, Cejudo later retired. Uh, Demetrius kind of returned to number one, fighting in one. He was active, beat some beat some solid, if not as well-known names over there, and was number one until he lost to Adriano Moraes, and then we had the rise of Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueiredo, and it was kind of easy to bump him down. Yeah, I don't know if we see the same thing with Francis. Again, the divisions, the state of the divisions are very different. Their histories are very different. They're very different fighters. But I'm just trying to think of the last time of what someone who is arguably
4: it's relatively unprecedented.
3: One. It's relatively unprecedented. Everything about this Francis and Ghana news is unprecedented. So, uh, with that, if, with if that Habib
4: chat, came hmm. back, like if Habib oh, yeah. said, I'm done tomorrow. Uh, regardless of the fact that Islam's champion, if he just came back was like, I'm just going to take super fights and Islam gets to keep being the champion, I 1,000% would expect him to reclaim the number one spot in the world.
3: If he us. came back and lost a close split decision to Charles Oliveira, I would leave him unranked, just like I did Henry Cejudo. But that's a whole other show. Let's not get into that. That's not that's a whole other uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Listen, that's like I said. This, you is, just these hate are,
4: short kings, A.K. You don't hate them.
3: Start that. Don't. I don't see height. Uh, though I do love. Listen, I do love Franciscau, and he is not a short king. He's a. He's a big king. He's a big king. He's a big king in the MMA. And that's why you love him. Landscape. Well, fine. He's a big king in the MMA <laughs> landscape right now. So I want to close on this shit. I want to close on this. You touched upon it a bit before. But what does this mean? What does this mean for the landscape of MMA? Should, should this encourage other stars to make a move like this? Again, there's, there's not a lot of people who are going to find themselves in this kind of position that he was in. It's it, Like we said, it's so rare. It has essentially never happened before. I don't know when it will happen again. But if anything even close to this Francis Ganda situation comes up, ha- has he made it easier for them to explore their options and find a real lucrative alternative? outside of the UFC.
4: Yeah, I think for sure. I think, look, I still believe pretty firmly that the UFC has a monopsony uh, that should be regulated against that, that they're, they have uh, exceedingly outsized influence on the industry in a way that is uh, negative for the fighters. I I believe that firmly. And one day that may legally get proven. Um, It will take long because the wheels of justice move slow in this country particularly, but also, there has really never been a better time to be a free agent in the sport. You know, it's not what it should be, but it is still better. There are still more lucrative options out there for you, for certainly fighters of name and note than have ever been before, with one doing what they're doing and being successful, with Bellator still holding on and still being filled with a lot of good talent. And with PFL and their million dollar purses, because we've already seen what that has drawn to the PFL in the past two years, realistically. It tends to be older names, which is tough, but I think that that's slowly been shifting as more people, and you, you talk to fighters off the record, people people say it to you, I, you know, to me, man, I can make a million dollars in the PFL. That's. That is a big carrot to draw people over. And I think this is an additional carrot. Again, it's not for everybody. You know, um, trying to think off the top of my head like who uh, Johnny Walker is probably not going to be the head of PFL Brazil or whatever, but he can compete for a million dollars. And with a company that has shown that they are actively invested in the growth of the sport and their brand globally uh the investment and involvement of fighters more than just as a transactional one-to-one here's x amount of dollars you fist fight this dude not everyone's going to want that too let's be very clear this is not for everybody from the fighter's sake not every fighter wants to be involved in this role in this capacity in the sport but for those that do for any fighter, you know, like like a Leslie Smith or whatever, kind of a bit of a callback to an earlier day in MMA, any fighter who does want to take a more proactive hand in this sport, the PFL has planted a flag saying, hey, we we are open to this. You, maybe not for everybody, but you can at least come to the table with us and say, hey, what is this um, fighter committee? How does one get on the board? Can I have a role in that if I sign with you? And I think that this is just a better way to do it, particularly for them. So I don't know that, like, like I've said a couple of times, I don't know that this is going to have an immediate huge impact, that there's going to be a rush of people as they hit free agency saying, PFL is the home, I want to go there. But I do think that this elevates them in the landscape globally of this and as an attractive destination. And particularly for you know African fighters are going to be like, there's a PFL Africa who's being chaired by the most notable African fighter in the world and a dude who has very publicly stood up for what is right. I would like to work with that man moving forward. So I I think that this is absolutely going to be some some level of change. I don't know exactly how much, but we'll see kind of as, as the cards come out, we'll see how this all breaks down.
3: Yeah, it it does. I'm willing to say that this is a. If you recall, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained, a, a uh, you you had my interest. Now you have my attention. Uh, move for a lot of the fighters out there.
4: I was about to say there it could have been any number of quotes from no, that. No,
3: not there's a lot of bad quotes from Leonardo <laughs> yeah. DiCaprio in that movie. But I'm going with the tra- trailer. Uh, you know, acceptable. Uh, you had <laughs> you had my interest. Now you have my attention. Uh, and again, I think that's the way it will be for a lot of fighters because. Listen, that million dollar thing already super appealing. The whole tournament format people like that, but now you see this sort of next level deal. And again, may, maybe you can't get all these things Francis got, but but suddenly there's a, just a little more freedom to pursue other things than you might get under a UFC deal. So, uh, it is fascinating stuff. Again, I just think I think a positive news overall for everyone. Uh, I will say from a personal standpoint, happy for Francis Ngannou. Ganu. You, you mentioned him before, Jed, the guy who's just been taken. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of undue criticism just because people didn't want to wait. People want People want to know as soon as he was stepping out of the cage, cage with Seattle, people were like, okay, well, well what's he going to do? Are you, are you, is he going to fight again this year? Is he going to set out his this contract? And and then he officially became a free agent a year later, and right away it's like, oh, does he have a deal in place? Is a is Fury thing going to happen? We saw him face off with Fury. Does he already have a deal with Fury? And it's like, guys, this is real-life business, real-life big dollars. Uh, it, it takes time. It takes time. It no. sounds like him and his team did nope. a really good job. No time. Yeah, they did. No, not now. this one.
4: They did, now? They did their due I'm diligence. Veruca Salt i want it now
3: <laughs> they they did their due diligence a sexy word in uh, combat sports i know and it looks like they came out with the best deal they could have got for their guy well,
4: and i want to be clear due diligence is not a sexy word in literally fans, any avenue of life
3: all i see is fans talking about due diligence all that the kids are talking about it. it's 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 they're tick talking about due diligence uh and this is the one
4: who went to law school and you're here
3: voting due diligence <laughs> I'm just trying to be on your level, man. This sounds crazy, but within the next two years, I don't know what Jake Paul's plans are, but within the next two years, the PFL could have Francis Ngadu and Jake Paul competing in their smart cage. That's a nice move.
4: I hope they're competing against each other. That'd I hope so too. Can I, le- before we close this out, <laughs> Please, I just for the sake of saying it, because I'm sure that there's some little ghost out there listening to this podcast and screaming into the ether that we haven't mentioned it, Let's be clear. I think this is an A-plus on both sides. I think this is wonderful. I will acknowledge that this is the... I think this is the best fit for Francis Ngannou for all the reasons aforementioned. We'll acknowledge that this is the most disappointing signing for Francis Ngannou of all of the promotions he could have gone to. If you are exclusively a fan who doesn't care about the moral imperatives here, who doesn't care about justice or et cetera, who is just a fan. And I, that 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 came off critically, and maybe there is a touch of criticism in there, but <laughs> I also totally recognize that. And I'm not here to, to crap on you if that's how you feel. If MMA is your escape and you don't really care about the politics, et cetera of it, you just want to watch people hit each other so you can unwind after a hard day of work. Totally get it. And I actually think that that is a fair and reasonable approach here. If you're one of those people, undeniably, this is the most disappointing signing. Because in one, one, you could do cooler things with him. There's, they've got more heavyweights of note, in Anatoly I Actually, that's a fight that would be compelling to me. Or Jean Buller. you know, your mileage is going to vary. But there are at least a couple of names there, plus the idea that he could do other things in the one cage would is interesting bellator probably has the best roster outside of the ufc in that regard so there are more compelling fights there not that a baiter fight is great but it's reasonable and you've got some other things happening the ufc is obviously the ufc bare knuckle is just funny like that just would have been fun to watch francis and ganu bare knuckle hit people Ryzen, and pfl
3: Ryzen stomping on people yeah, with stomps like, would be hilarious.
4: Incredibly fun. <laughs> One, you know, PFL has the weakest roster by a good am- amount, frankly, for, for heavyweights. So strictly from a competitive standpoint, if that's the lens through which you view this, this is a disappointing signing. And I understand that. And if, if this is going to ultimately make you be like, look, I'm not that interested, whatever, I get it. And that's not a wrong approach. I will just say... And I've said this kind of from the beginning that matters less to me in general for a lot of other reasons, but from a strictly competitive standpoint, it also matters the least to me because of all the fighters I need to watch fight good dudes, Francis Ngannou is pretty low on the list. (laughs) Like I'll just happily watch him nuke anybody because Alistair Overeem was good at fighting when they fought who could tell who knew because it didn't matter. The fight was over instantaneously. And it left me with one of the most indelible highlights in the history of this sport. When he like literally decapitated Alistair I'm like it kind of doesn't, he's, he's uniquely ins, insulated from that criticism for me. I mean, yeah, you'd love to see him fight the best always because that is generally more fun, but him just going and thumping on, on Matteo shuffle. It's still going to be its own kind of enjoy- enjoyable. So, I would—I just wanted to offer that out to the people who aren't as as rosy about this because we've been very, very um, happy about this. I think for for this whole hour we've talked.
3: Yeah, and I would say even during this whole, again, 16-month stretch of what's France going to do, we, we we kind of preached optimism for the most part. We mentioned the potential pitfalls. Again, people might consider this to be one of them, that that he didn't I – mean, again, we don't immediately know what his boxing deal is going to be and and who is he going to fight in the PFL. Listen, Legitimate concerns, absolutely legitimate concerns. But this is a the, – the way this news has landed and the way it was delivered and the way it sounds on paper – Fantastic. I think it sounds great so far. We'll see how it plays out. But that's, listen, that's the way it is with all combat sports. That's the way it is with all sports in general. So I realize Maybe they signed yeah. some
4: people. Maybe, maybe they, they, they can sign. Like, when you door. have that there, they're like, here's what I'm thinking, right, AK? Mm-hmm. I don't know when his contract with the UFC is up, but just taking a quick glance at their rankings, Tai Tuivasa could be a great chairman of sure. PFL Australia. and you bring Uh,
3: i don't know if you want ty in the boardroom. i'll be honest he seems like a (laughs) no
4: no you gotta have the guy who's gonna take the top like let the top button out like really france is pretty straight laced you you know he's managing (laughs) pfl africa plus i think australia needs to have a guy like ty yeah running it up so all i'm saying (laughs) little shoeys across the board be great
3: Ty is a little more of an old school, I think Mad Men style boardroom guy. Oh, okay. a little... <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I don't want to digress too much. Again, Francis Ganu, he is with the PFL. He's he is now part of the PFL Global Advisory Board. He may box in twenty twenty three. He may fight in MMA tw- in twenty twenty four. But he has a home that we do know. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening to this. Thank you, Jed, of course, for joining me. Uh, by the time this goes out, most likely uh people will have access to even more coverage where we're wall to wall on this from mma fighting and also the mma hour ariel helwani again if you if you haven't listened to it yet based on you know how linear how time works uh (laughs) 1 p.m 1 p.m on the mma hour, special episode uh francis will of course talk with his boy ariel and uh we'll get even more details more insight from the man himself and i'll be talking about this on heck of a morning as well i'll I'll be a guest hosting for Mike Heck, who has jury duty, so uh, you haven't heard. This is only the beginning. Everything we've talked about today, Jed, we're pretty comprehensive, but this is only the beginning. You and I can only cover so much and can only see so far into the future. Uh, but again, thank you, Jed, and let's see what this deal uh, means for for everyone uh, and for the PFL.
4: Love you guys.